Thank you for tuning in to Trinity Baptist Temple's podcast. I'm Pastor Kyle Dinsmore, and I pray today's sermon is a blessing to you as you continue to seek the Lord and follow His will for your life. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. God bless you. I want to ask you to turn your Bibles now to uh, Genesis chapter 37. And uh, again, I know we've got some guests here this morning. And so we've been going through a, a, a biblical journey again. And this time we are looking at life. And specifically, uh, all the different issues that we deal with life, we can see in Scripture. And it helps us deal with the issues in life. It, deals, it helps us to, uh, to know how to better handle certain situations or to how, how to better live our lives in a way that, that brings God glory. And what we've determined to do is to look at the lineage, the life, and the legacy of a biblical figure, a person, a real person, who lived thousands of years ago, and that person's name is Joseph. We've already looked at his legacy. We saw kind of how he, he came into, into this world and, and his dad and, and all the things that he did and, 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 and where uh, we are today is looking at his life. And uh, last week we saw uh, that some people don't have the capacity to rejoice in God's plans and be a part. And some people, it's not that they don't have the capacity. There are also some people who choose not to, to rejoice in what God is doing and what God has in store, and they choose not to be a part. Um, there's a couple of factors that we looked at that are, are the reasons, I believe, that people can't rejoice or choose not to rejoice in God's plans and play a part in that. And the first one was spiritual disconnect. Sometimes people are just spiritually disconnected from what God is doing and what God has in store. And there's different factors for spiritual disconnect. We're not going to get into that. If you want to look at that, again, it's on, online. You can go and listen to that and, and kind of see what those, spiritual, those factors are that contribute to spiritual disconnect. But the second thing that we looked at are the, is the reason why people can't rejoice in what God is doing and what God has in store, or they choose not to, and or they don't play a part in that is there are roadblocks to rejoicing in what God is doing and being a part in what God is doing. These things have crept into people's lives, or maybe they have uh, chose to allow these things to, to come into their life, and maybe they were once excited about what God was doing. Maybe they were once excited to be a part of what the church was trying to do for the kingdom of God, and, and now they've come to a place where they're not there. They're, they're just not excited. They're not playing a part. They're kind of looking from the outside to the inside. Some of those roadblocks that we listed were things like selfishness. Sometimes selfishness, we, 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 we go through different things in life and we start to turn internal. We, we begin to think, well, I just don't know that I want that I, that I, that I. We, we forget, again, that we're not ours anymore. If we, we, we've accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. We're under the blood. We've been washed. We've been redeemed. We've been forgiven. We've been given eternal life. But we also gave up all rights to our life because he is our Lord. And so uh, he's not, he's not uh, putting a hard hand on us and, and pushing us down. He wants us to submit our lives to him and follow him because we have made him our Lord. Uh, but some, sometimes we get to those places in our lives, even though we've done that, we get to those places where we begin to be completely saturated with what we want and we start forgetting about what our life is all about and that's what God wants. Sometimes pride creeps in. That's a big factor. Uh, whatever is happening, we begin to, uh, it's, it's coupled sometimes with that selfishness, but pride creeps in and we begin to be a little bit too big for our own selves and we lose sight of what God has in store for us and what God's doing and what he wants to do in and through us. Envy sometimes becomes a roadblock. Uh, we see what other people are doing, what other people are getting, how other people are living and, and all these things and we begin to envy what they are doing and we look at our, cir our circumstances, our, our situation and we say, it's just not fair. I should be able to do that. I should be able to have that. I should be able to, again, that selfishness, that envy, that jealousy, all that stuff gets coupled together. Maybe it's a sin. Maybe there's a struggle in a certain area of our life. That becomes a roadblock. We also talked about skewed spiritual vision. We begin to, again, maybe through disconnect, we, we lose sight of, of, of what is important in this life. And so we, we lose this, the clear spiritual vision that we should have and our spiritual vision begins to be skewed. We see other people in our relationships with them. We see church leaders in our relationships with them. We see what God has commanded and our response to that. We begin to look at that with a little bit of zigzag instead of very, very clear, straight line. 
And uh, again, it, it becomes something that keeps us from being a part of what God's doing and rejoicing what he's doing. Um, I talked about uh, being more of a fan than being on the team. Uh, a lot of times that's how people view Christianity. Well, once I, I, once I get my ticket to heaven, once I'm saved and I know I'm going to heaven, do I really need to, to, to be real fully engaged or can I just kind of coast along and then when my life is over, I get to go to heaven? And uh, again, I would say, first of all, that's not what the Bible says Christianity is. Second of all, I would say that is not the life that Jesus promised to his followers, the life of abundance, the abundant life. It's not, it's not accomplished, not experienced. You don't experience the abundant life that Jesus Christ, our Lord, gives to us by sitting back and hanging out in the stands. It comes by being a part of the team. The abundant life comes by being on the team. Again, you don't get to experience the same thing that the team gets to experience when you're just a fan. Uh, recently, I, I had one of our, our, our church members uh, send me a, a little bit of a clip from um, his, uh, his son's football team, and they got to play in a, in a championship game uh, this year, and uh, it was awesome. I mean, I was, I was watching, I was like, man, I mean, they, didn't, they didn't win the whole thing, but they got to go to the game. You know, and, and, and it was awesome. And I could, you know, just talking to him and hearing the excitement and the, and the, 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 the pride in, as far as being a dad and, and, and this is what it is and what you get to experience, um, I could hear it. But the reality is his son, who was on that field, experiencing that moment, had a completely different experience than even his dad did. Than, than I did as a pastor watching him be like, man, that's so cool, that's awesome, you know. The, 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 the person on the team had a completely way more involved, way more invested, way more uh, real experience because they were on the field playing. And so again, it's a completely different perspective when we are maybe a part of the kingdom of God, but we're not actually involved in the kingdom of God. We, we're we're kind of sitting in the stands, yeah, I'm, this is my team, this is what I'm rooting, I'm rooting, I'm team Jesus, I, I'm going to heaven, I, I'm, I'm excited, but hey, I, I come to church sometimes, that's not what God wants. God wants us on the team. He wants every single one of his children on the team, involved, invested, sweating, blood, tears. I mean, all, all and I'm not literally, I mean, maybe blood sometimes, but, but tears and, and, and just invested. That was a, an illustration, by the way. Uh, but involved in the kingdom of God. And man, when you're like that, it becomes so much more rich, so much more rewarding. So that abundant life starts to become real in your life. No matter what you go through, no matter what problems you face, no matter what circumstances or trials come your way, because they come when you're living the abundant life too. They, they, they come against you hard. Satan tries to knock you out of that place. He, he doesn't want you to stay there because that's where the Lord wants you. But the hard things come, but you're still able to keep pressing forward as you keep your eyes on Christ, stay involved, stay invested, stay a part of the team. That's what the Lord wants from our life. But this morning, we're going to move forward. This morning, uh, we're going to look at kind of what happened after, uh, you know, Joseph is going to share the dream. We're going to see what the brothers who already hated him, okay, Joseph has 11 brothers. All of his brothers are older except for one. And so he's the second youngest brother. And so all of, basically, we learn that all of his brothers, his older brothers, hate him. They despise him. He's favored, he's got, a, he's got a coat from his father, he's preferred, he has, you know, all these, these privileges, and, and he's, you know, it, probably on their side, what we'd say today, he's probably a goody two-shoes, he's always trying to do what's right, and he's, he's always letting dad know that when we're doing wrong, and, and he got a coat of many colors, and so he's despised, he's hated, and he's going to tell them what the dream that God gave him was. And we're going to see how they act and how they react and how, again, what, what we can learn from this. And so let's pray, and we'll see what God has. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you again for this opportunity. Lord, the, the, the music today, just the opportunity that we've had to worship you like that uh, has been such a blessing so far. Lord, the, the special music, uh, the worship songs, and uh, even thinking about uh, that land that's fairer than day. Uh, one day being there with you forever. Uh, just an, an amazing time that we've already had, an amazing opportunity, even to give back to you tangibly uh, in obedience and in worship uh, what you've blessed us with in this world. 
Uh, God, we thank you for all these opportunities. Thank you for this freedom we have now to, to worship you. And um, we pray you would just move. Lord, let your spirit reign in this place as your word is spoken, as, your, as this message is preached. God, speak to our hearts. Lord, help us to really get what you want us, want us to get in these, in these next minutes, uh, in this time that we have together. Lord, just use me as a vessel. Be glorified in what happens. And we'll praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your Bibles there in Genesis 37, we're going to be looking in uh, verse 6. Is where we pick up. It says, and he said unto them, here I pray you. Okay, this is Joseph talking to his older brothers. Now he's going to share the dream. I pray you this dream. So here is his, is, is his charge. Here I pray you. I'm begging you this dream which I have dreamed. For behold, we were binding sheaves in the field. And lo, my sheaf arose. And so get the picture. He's telling his older brothers this dream. They already hate him. They already despise him. He's already preferred with his dad. He, he's already in a bad situation. And so now he's going to explain this dream that he has. The dream begins... We're all out in the, in the field, and we're all binding our sheaves, these, 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 these stalks, and, and, and we're wrapping them, and we're binding them, and, and, and we each have our own uh, uh, sheaf that we're binding. And all of a sudden, mine stands upright. Look as he goes on. And behold, your sheaves, they stood around mine, and then they made obeisance to my sheaf, which that word means that they bowed down and, and, and honored mine. So, <laughs> younger brother is saying, hey guys, I, I'm so excited. I, God gave me a dream. And they're like, Ugh. I'm sure he did, Joseph. You know, you know? So he, he goes, listen, you gotta, you gotta hear what this dream is. We're out there binding sheaves, we're working. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then my sheep is laying down, you know, it just stands right up. And then all of a sudden, your sheaves gather around mine. They're like, mm-hmm. And then y'all just bow down to mine. I wonder how well that, that hit their ears, you know? I wonder what thoughts went through their head right then. I, I wonder how they were feeling in that moment. Well, we'll see what this does as we go along. And his, bre his brethren indeed said unto him, Shalt thou indeed reign over us? You, you, you are truly, is that what you're saying? That you're going to reign over us? That we're going to bow down to you, Joseph? Or you're going to have dominion over us? And here's what it did to them. And they hated him yet the more for his dreams and for his words. But it doesn't stop there. <laughs> right? It's, it's already bad. They hate him. They despise him. Uh, it, it, it's, he's get the, he gets the coat. He's, he's telling on, on, on them to their father when they're doing wrong. It's already bad. Now he tells them this dream. All you guys are going to bow down to me. Oh, you're going to reign over us. You're going to rule over us. Yeah, right, Joseph. But then it says, he dreamed another dream. And he and, and told it to his brethren. Now, again, I, I don't know the, the, the motivation in this. I don't know why Joseph said, you know what? I think I need to tell them again, you know, I, I don't, we don't, sometimes the, sometimes the Bible's silent on certain things, maybe the Lord urged him, usually when God urges or commands, we, we see that in scripture, I don't know, so maybe this was a flaw in Joseph, maybe this was part of Joseph's problem, in that he said, you know what, I know they hate me, I know they despise me, but they need to hear this, <laughs> they're going to deal with this right here, you know. You know maybe, maybe that was in him. Maybe that was his, his character flaw. Uh, regardless, we see that he dreams another dream, and he feels the need, or whatever is compelled, or command, or charge, to tell his older brothers again. So he says to them, hey guys, I've dreamed a dream more. I've dreamed more dreams. And behold, the sun and the moon and the 11 stars made obeisance to me. Hmm. But he didn't stop at his brothers. He went and he said, you know what, I think dad has to know about this. Mom needs to know about it. He's told to the father and his brethren. His father rebuked him and said unto him, not his mom, sorry, what, what, what is this dream that thou dreamest? What, what's the meaning of it? Am, am I and thy mother and thy brethren indeed come to bow down ourselves to thee, uh, to, thee to the earth? And his brethren, brethren envied him, but his father observed the same. 
And so again, in the, the son being referenced to uh, Jacob, and we know that his uh, mother has passed, but just in reference to the, the, those above Joseph bowing down to him. So he's like, is that what you're trying to say? Everybody older than you is going to bow down to you? Everybody, is, is that what you're trying to get? His brothers start to get more jealous, more envious, more hateful. They, they, they cannot stand this. But what begins to happen here is jo uh, Jacob, Joseph's father, begins to think, what does all this mean? The Bible says that he began to think about this. If he observed this saying, he, he, he contemplated this. But we see in this, this reaction from the brothers who already hated Joseph. They already had hatred in their heart. Their heart was already wrong. But it tells us something very clear. We know that J uh, Jacob was chosen of God. We know that Joseph was chosen of God. He's going to be that line, that seed carried on that God promised in this covenant with, with Abraham. And so when we look at this, we know their hearts were wrong. But this is the truth we need to remember. When a heart is wrong, it's hard and callous to the will and the word of God. When someone's heart is wrong, it's hard and it's callous to the will of God and to the word of God. When you, when you are in a bad place, when you're in a wrong place, when your heart towards other people is wrong, I don't care how good you think your heart is to God, it's not. You cannot have a right heart with God and a wrong heart with people. You can't. Matter of fact, John even says this. You, 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 how can you say that you love God that you don't see and hate your brother who you do see? And so we, we have to understand that you can't have a right heart with God. Your heart is, it has become hard to the things of God, to God's will, to his word, whenever it's wrong with other people. And you can, and, and here's the reality, we all know this. We can, we can try to put on a good face with each other. But the Bible says the Lord tries the hearts. He knows it. So no matter what religious motions we go through, or even spiritual motions we try to go, go through in our life, if our heart is not right with other people, it is going to be hard and callous to the will and the word of God. People, people, Try to, well, I'll just go to a different church, or I'll just try this, or I'll try that. Listen, if your heart is not right with people, it will not be right with God. The answer is not going somewhere else. The answer is not running or pretending or putting on a facade. The answer is getting your heart right. That's what Scripture tells us. And so when we, and so I just don't like that, and I don't like what you're saying, because you don't know my situation. I absolutely don't know your situation. My job is to simply preach the Word of God. And the Bible says that you can't have that right relationship with God and a wrong relationship with people. You can't. And so while I don't know what's going on in your situation and who maybe there's a struggle with, God does. And he has the answer in his word to help you make that right. It's just a matter of whether you're willing to do it or not. That's the hard thing too. When you're in this place and your heart is hard and callous to the will and the word of God, it's hard to be obedient to the will and the word of God because your heart is calloused and hard. And so it's kind of a, a vicious cycle, but guess, who, got, guess who, who was trying to get you there? The enemy of God. And whether it's through circumstances or laziness or choices or, again, circumstance that knocked you into this place, you are there now. And it's your job, and God will help to get it right. But when a heart is hard and callous to the will and the word of God, it happens in just about every aspect of a person's life. It happens in personal devotion. In other words, if I've been there, I'll just say right now, I've been there before. And it's not necessarily a, a, a relationship with another person. That I've just been in that place where I felt like I was in a dry place. I felt like that I was, uh, you know, just not refreshed in my, in my walk with God. And, and, and so to, to approach the, the word of God and to try to have it fall fresh on you and, and, and impact you. It's very difficult. It's, it's a very difficult place to be. Personal devotion. Maybe you're there right now. Your personal devotion feels as dry as a desert. You're like, man, I feel, my heart feels so hard and callous. When I try to read the Bible, I mean, I read devotions, and it's like throwing marbles at a concrete wall. Like it's just not getting in. My, my prayer life, and I, 
I, I, I want it so desperate. I want to have a vibrant prayer life, but it feels so dry. I mean, I pray for our food. I pray when we pray uh, t- together as a church, and we're praying for certain things. But as far as having this relationship and this interaction, this alive interaction with God, my Father, my Lord, it's just not there. It's dry. It's empty. It's callous. Again, maybe it's not because of a wrong relationship with someone else, but maybe it is. Maybe it's because you've been pushing that down and, and you've not been dealing with that in, in your relationship with the Lord. Or maybe you haven't made that right with that person. It's never going to get right until you make that right. But this callousness and this hardness happens in personal devotion. But it also makes corporate worship stale and dry. It's debated how some people, even today, it'll probably happen. You enter in this room, you're sitting here, and as we begin to worship our God, the one who left his glorious throne to take on human flesh, to live a sinless life, not even committing one inkling of a sin, lived a spotless life, a sinless life, so that he could be the spotless lamb of sacrifice for all the world. He did so. He went to that cross. He bore our shame. He took the judgment of every single one of our sins upon himself. And through his death, we can have life. He died on the cross. He bled. He he was put in a grave. He rose again the third day. That God. We came in here and we began to sing to him. We began to express our our thanks to him and our love for him and, and begin to think and meditate as we were singing these songs about all these things that he's done for us that we could never do for ourselves. And as we were doing this, the Holy Spirit should have been stirring our affection, our love, our passion for him. And it should have been, it should have been welling up in us just this gratitude and this thankful. The Bible says that come before his presence with thanksgiving in your heart. Before his, into his courts with praise. And so we were, we were doing that this morning and, 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 and while some were doing that, some... We're just existing in those moments. Not engaging, but existing. And it was stale. And it was not entertaining. And it was not involved. And it was just minutes and moments passed by that didn't mean anything. The mystery is, to some, how it can be that even in a, a worship, song worship service, but even after this message is over, after this whole morning worship service is over, after we've, we've prayed together and after we've sung and worshiped God together and, and, and given back tangibly some of what he's given to us so abundantly, and, 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 and after we've done that and after we've, we've, we've focused our lives and our minds, our hearts, our ears on his word to try to be instructed and filled and, and reminded and encouraged and strengthened and unified through his word, the, 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 the reality is, that the, here's the mystery to some, is that some will leave this place this morning and it will have been stale, it will have been cold, and they will still feel calloused in their heart. But some, maybe many, will leave this place filled and stirred and encouraged and strengthened in the Spirit of God through the Word of God. How is that possible? How is it possible that, and again, I'm saying believers, because I know that that, that there's no doubt in a room with, with this many people in it, there might be perchance maybe one lost person, somebody who's never come to a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so maybe that person is still searching. That person still doesn't have answers. That person still is not connected to the Lord. And they don't, they don't really get it fully. And, and they don't ne- maybe even necessarily want it fully. And so for them to walk out with this heart guarded and, and, and their mind guarded and, and not really have engaged with the Lord, that, that would be more understandable than any child of God who's been washed and forgiven and redeemed and, and, and given eternal life for free to walk out with a calloused heart whenever there are those who walk out with a filled and stirred heart. But it still happens. It still happens. Some people think that it's a matter of preference. Well, the reason why I... 
I, I walk out st uh, stale and callous still. The reason why I don't feel like I get anything from the services is because I, I just don't like the music. I just don't like this type of teaching. I just don't like your voice or what, you know, whatever, you know. Some people say it's a matter of preference. Other people declare that it's a matter of maturity. Well, you know, I know what we're teaching. I know this story. I know this. I've taught it before. I know it before. I've, I've taught it to my kids. We have Bible study. We, you know, my kids could teach this story or whatever the case may be. It, I, I'm mature and I need more. This is basic. This is elemental. But I want to declare this morning, I really honestly believe that it's a matter of the heart. I do. As we saw in our study and journey in Scripture, whatever you want to call uh, the, the, it, was entitled The Journey with Jesus, there were those who Jesus himself were teaching that their hearts were hardened. While in that same lesson, there were those whose hearts were softened and humbled. The question that comes to mind is this, and we asked in that, in that study, how many times do you think that the disciples, the 12 apostles that Jesus chose himself, how many times do you think that they heard some of the same exact things? question that comes to mind as well is, is in the moments when, when Jesus is teaching these people and some people's hearts are, are, are humbled and softened and, and others' hearts were hardened and, and, and even more calloused. Was it the fact that these who were hardened and calloused, was it that they were more mature and what Jesus was telling them was beneath them? Was that the, the, the situation? Or was the fact that some of them were hardened and some of them were humbled a matter of a ready and right heart? I would say that. Going back to the preferences, I brought this out in that study as well. So, sometimes it was, I just, I just don't like this style of teaching, or I don't like this style of preaching, or I just don't like this speaker, or I just don't like this, or I don't like this type of music, or I don't like it, that, that instrument, or I don't like this. We start getting into preferences and stuff like that. But let's just go back to the speaker for a, for, for a moment. In this message right now, it, it, it may not be what you prefer. It may not be what you love. You may like, well, I like this type of teaching, this type of preaching. I like this type of speaker. I like this type of all this kind of stuff. Listen, when Jesus was talking and Jesus was teaching, he was preaching and he was bringing truth from the Father, as he says, to declare to them, some hearts were hardened, some hearts were humbled. The question is, is, is then begged to ask, was the problem with the speaker? with Jesus. So if, if it's still happening today in 2019, that some people hear what God has said and their hearts are hardened and callous still, regardless of how long they feel like they've had a relationship with God, and some people's hearts are humbled and softened with the word of God and the message of God, is it possible that it's still the same problem as it was then? It is absolutely possible. Regardless of who would speak, regardless of who would say and how style, what style or anything like that, the, the, the matter would be, maybe it would be more an entertaining of the flesh than an engaging of the heart. And that's what was happening in Jesus' day. That's what happens today. And people begin to say, well, I just, the reason I don't get anything is because I, I know I, I'm just kind of, I kind of check out. Don't check out. <laughs> well, I know what you're going to say. Well, Still listen. Hey, can you imagine what the disciples said? When, when Jesus says again for however many times, as the Father, listen, love one another. A, a lawyer comes to him. Hey, what's the most important? Oh, we know what he's going to say. You know what he's going to say? He's going to say love. Love one another. Told you. Told you he's going to say love one another. He said it all the time. He tells us that we're supposed to love one another and love the Father. Again, we ask when Jesus is teaching, is the problem with the speaker or would it have been with the hearers? The problem was with the hearers. And the same today. The same is for you, it's the same for me. Joseph begged his brothers not just to, to superficially entertain him, not to just be present as he's presenting this dream. Joseph, Joseph he, he prayed, he begged them, please hear, the Bible says. Hear what I have to say. This is important. And so when, when the brothers were there, they had the choice. They had the choice to say, you know what? We're here. 
Do whatever you want to do. You know, we're present. That counts, right? That we're present? No, no, no. He says, listen to me. Hear what I have to say. See, actually hearing and actually listening, that's a choice. You know, six times in the New Testament, uh, Jesus himself says, whoever has an ear, let him hear. It's a choice. If you can, if you can hear spiritually, you need to engage this. You need to, you need to tune in. You need to make a choice no matter what your flesh wants to do, no matter what your pride may want to do, no matter how much you think you know or anything else, if you have an ear, you need to hear this. That's what Jesus said, what the Spirit says. And this morning, the reason to me is obvious, and it's vital. Why? Because we have eternal truth. It's the Word of God. That's why it's vital. That's why it's important. That's why, it, again, we look at them and say, listen, why, why should we hear what is, is being spoken? Why is it that, that this is such a monumental, importance, a, a monumental importance? Why is this vital? Why is it essential for me not to just uh, entertain and, and be present, superficially entertain, just be present in a, in a church service, but why is it important for me to engage the Word of God, to actively choose to listen and to, to receive what God's Word is, what the message is through God's Word. Because again, it's eternal truth. It's God's Word Himself. It's where His plan, His will is revealed. Again, it takes a listening ear. It takes every single one of us making a choice, listening to what God has. That listening ear can only be useful for a ready heart. A willing heart, a wanting heart. So again, you can superficially entertain. You can be here and you can hear every single word that's spoken this morning. But you can leave just as hard and as callous in your relationship with the Lord as you came in with if your heart wasn't ready for it. If your heart's not right with, with, with the Lord, if it's wrong with others, it's wrong with the Lord, you can hear it, but your heart's got to be ready. One thing that enables this is a heart perspective, a mindset that God's word, regardless of what you currently know about it, you, you could, you could, so I, I, I could, I, I have uh, John chapter one memorized. I have, I have uh, John chapter three memorized. I have Romans chapter three memorized. I have first John chapter one memorized. I have all, I, I, I've, I've taught the whole Bible. You know, you, you can stand up here with, with, with elders and, 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 and Sunday school teachers and, and maybe experienced Christians who have been in church their whole life and, and know every Bible story and every Bible character and, 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 and all these things. But how can someone still be in that place and still be affected by an, maybe an elemental Sunday school lesson such as Joseph and his dreams? Again, it's a heart perspective. It's a mindset. It's, regardless, it's, it's, it's remembering that regardless of what you know about God's word, his word is living. And it's sharper than any two-edged sword. And it pierces to the dividing of the center. It, it takes spiritual discipline to, to know or to assume that you know what God's word says in every possible way and that at any moment in your life, it couldn't do anything that it's already done in your life. That takes spiritual discipline, but it takes a heart perspective. It takes this mindset to know that God's able to do something through his word, through scripture, that maybe it's even done before in your life. But maybe not. Maybe he's able to do something new through the same scripture you've known. Maybe for your life, but maybe not. Maybe for you to use in someone else's life. Again, it takes a heart set. It takes a, a mindset. But all this requires an absence of pride. And so when we look at the brothers, they were full of hatred. What, what was keeping them from, from rejoicing in what Joseph was telling them about them bowing down to him? What was keeping them from that? It was pride in their heart. It was hatred, of course, but they were prideful. You're not going to tell us, little brother, that we're going to bow down to you one day. 
We're not going to do that. I don't care. And now you're telling that, that dad is going to bow down to you as well? It was pride. And so for us, all of us, to have this engagement that God wants us to have with his word every moment, every day, every time that we gather in corporate worship or look at it in private devotion, God wants us to have this ready heart, these listening ears. It takes an absence of pride. Again, regardless of what his brothers thought or what they wanted, God had a plan to use Joseph as the leader. Their submission and their humility would have led them to a tremendous blessing. Had they said, you know what? If this is God's will, so be it. We'll humble our lives before him, and if you are the leader, then then absolutely. And that would have led them to blessings, to blessings that they wouldn't have known. But their pride, their haughtiness, their hard, hard heads, their hard hearts led them to demise and to judgment. The path that they would take ahead would be without reprieve. They would go, and we'll see, they they would go into a famine of the land that it had never known. They they would experience judgment because of, of, again, what they chose to do. And what this shows me and, and what Scripture shows us over and over again, several different things, but among all of the things that, that a prideful heart does, a prideful heart prevents a few things. In your notes there, you can jot it down. A prideful heart prevents spiritual vision. When your heart is full of pride, it's hard for you to see what God wants you to see. Many times when your heart's full of pride, all you can see is the circumstances and what the enemy wants you to see and what your flesh sees. It's hard to see with spiritual eyes when your heart is full of pride. It's, hard, it's not only a prideful heart not only prevents spiritual vision, but it also prevents spiritual hearing. Again, if you're full of pride, I, you know, I just don't like what, what Brother Kyle's been saying. I don't like what this church has been doing. I, you know, I'm going because I don't want somebody to call and ask me what's wrong with me. Or I, you know, I, I'm going to go because people are probably going to talk about it. Listen, that's a stinky heart. It is. Take a whiff. Take a, take a self-check. But pride oftentimes comes in and, 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 and it keeps us from hearing what God may want to say to you. Not me. I'm just a human vessel. I am no better than anybody in this room, a sinner saved by grace. I'm forgiven by the, the blood of Christ. Watch, nothing. I'm simply a vessel. It's the word of God that works in my heart and how it works in your heart. That's it. And so every single one of us have to approach the Word of God the same exact way. I'm either going to not have pride in my heart, and I'm going to be able to see spiritually, and I'm going to be able to hear spiritually, or I'm not. But a prideful heart also prevents partaking, spiritual partaking. Again, you see sometimes people who are living this this life, this vibrant, abundant life, and they may be going through great uh, uh, worldly problems. Man, maybe they got health problems or, or, or job problems, financial problems, and yet, man, they're still, still, still full of joy, and they come into worship services corporately, and they're raising their hands and worshiping, and their tears are flowing, and they're just worshiping God, and they're, they're in the church service, and they're, and they're crying, and they're amening, and they're yes, and they got their Bibles open, their notes open, and they're engaged, and you're like, man, they have something. They're spiritually partaking, even though in the world and the earth, they, they may not have what other people have. They may be struggling, but man, they're being filled spiritually. But pride, pride will prevent that. Pride will prevent you from from partaking in what only God can give to you spiritually. Pride will also prevent a spiritual walk. That's what happens. Again, you start thinking about, well, other people are, well, you know, I, I, don't, I don't really, you know, it doesn't really matter. What, you begin to, 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 to get prideful and lift it up in, in your heart, and it begins to affect the decisions you make and how you live in your life. A prideful heart prevents spiritual walking, but lastly, it also prevents spiritual talking. Spiritual talking. And your, your heart and your, and your life gets full of pride, full of self, full of, well, I don't need anybody to tell me how to do this or what to do or how to, you know, my family. And he, Pride lifts up. Well, who does he think that he is telling us that we're going to bow down to him and, 
Again, when, when pride enters in, it prevents spiritual talk. And again, I believe this is one of the sources in the Christian experience that brings us to that place of a carnal place and a dry place. If you feel like that, man, I feel like I'm further away from God now than I was when I first got saved. Just take a step back and look what has happened. How'd you get to this place? Sometimes we don't know the answer. Sometimes I have no idea. I, I really, I'm trying to put the pieces together. How, how I've come to this place where I really, I could either take gathering with people of God or leave it. It doesn't really matter to me. And so if we have time to make it, we make it. Or, or, or I, can, I can either have God's word in my life every day or I don't have to. I can, I can, I can sing songs to God or I don't have to. I can take or leave it. It doesn't really matter to me. How did I get to this place? When I first got saved, I couldn't wait to gather with God's people. I couldn't wait to read scripture. I couldn't wait to pray. I couldn't wait to tell somebody about Christ. How did I go from there to where I am now? And sometimes we don't know the answer to that. Sometimes we can just take a step back again and take a whiff. And we can kind of evaluate our own self and realize, you know why? I've become selfish. I got my eyes off of my king. And I got my eyes on a kingdom I wanted for myself. It becomes a vacuum, a fleshly appeal. You get into that cycle, and all of a sudden you realize, I don't know that I can get out. Because pride's in there. And if, and if, I, if I change something, or if I change what I've been saying, or if I change how I've been living, or if I, if I, if I have to sell this or stop doing that, or well, what are people going to say? Pride is, is preventing, it's preventing The last thing that I said that pride prevents leads us to this life point that you have in your notes. And I, I, I'm going to try to read this quickly and, and then we're going to close. I don't, I don't have any more time, but this is the life point. Don't trust your mouth to speak right when your heart is wrong. We have Sometimes that ill will towards somebody else, don't trust to say something if, if, if your heart's not right. If your heart's not right towards the Lord, his people, his word, if you know your heart's in the wrong spot, man, really, really, which is hard to do because when, you're in, when your heart's wrong, it's hard to have that right spiritual discretion. <laughs> but just know this point is true, that you can't trust your mouth to, to speak what's right when your heart's wrong. The Bible says this, in the multitude of words, there wanteth not sin. There's no lack of sin when you're, when you're speaking. Again, uh, the, the, the fool uttereth all that he has, but a wise man waits till after. Why is this so important? Basically, Jesus said that our, our hearts are word factories. He said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So when your heart is wrong, you can't trust it to speak right. If your heart's full of hate like the brother's, if it's full of roadblocks, like we talked about last week, if it's full of pride, if your heart's not in the right place, you can't trust your mouth. Pride is often easy to diagnose in somebody's, lives, but it, in somebody's life, but it's very hard for someone to admit to. The essence of pride. I'm not prideful, said the man with pride. Sherry, you must be willing to listen. You've got to be open. Nothing blocking. Your heart has to be spiritually ready. But most of the time, the reality is our hearts get wrong by not being influenced by the right things and by being influenced by the wrong things. That's what usually happens. And so if you're there, as I said, well, I don't know how I got here. I don't know how I got to this dry place. I don't know how I got to this distance place, this distant place. I don't, I don't know how I got from where I, I couldn't have enough of the Lord to where I could just kind of take or leave the Lord and the things of God at, at, at my whim. If you're there, I just want to encourage you in that evaluation to really examine what's been influencing your life or who's been influencing your life. Because many times that's how it goes astray. Scripture shows us there's there's people that aren't ready to hear, to listen. From the parable of the sower, 
uh, different hearts that the Word of God falls on, um, to only one being able to produce fruit, to a nation refusing the Word through the prophet of God in Jeremiah chapter 5. I'm not going to read that, but when you get time, check that out. Jeremiah basically saying, listen, this is what God has to say. But in verse 23 it says, but this people has a revolting and rebellious heart. They're not willing to listen. Stephen's message in Acts chapter 7, as he was talking to them, the Bible says in chapter, uh, chapter 7, verse 57, that the people stopped their ears to what God had to say through him. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 4, it says that there are going to be people that turn their ears away from the truth. I don't want to hear what you have to say. I don't want to hear what God, I just want to live my life. I'm going to heaven, I'm a Christian, you know, I don't have to do, I, they turn their ears away from the truth. The Bible says in end times. Why is it so important? Last thing and we're done. Brethren went to feed their father's flock. Verse 12 of our text. And Israel said to Joseph, Jacob said to Joseph, uh, Do not thy brethren feed the flock in Shechem. Come, I'm going to send you to them. And he said, Here I am. Uh, here am I. He said to them, Go, I pray thee, see whether, whether they're doing good and, and their flocks are good. And then come back and tell me. So he went out into the vale of Hebron and came to Shechem. We've already talked about Shechem before. That's where he's going. A certain man found him. Behold, he was wandering in the field. The man asked him, what are you looking for? He said, I'm looking for my brethren. He said, look, they're over here. Go down to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brethren. They found, he found him in Dothan. Verse 18. When they saw him afar off, these were his brothers. They see Joseph. Here he comes. Even before he came near to them, listen what happens. They conspired against him to slay him. And listen to these words. And they said, they said, they conspired, they said, what, what, what happened here? They, they were off doing their own thing, but what was in their hearts towards Joseph? Hatred. They, they did not want him. They did not like him. They, did, they hated him. And so when they saw him, what happened was what was in their heart came out of their mouth. And as they saw him, they said one to another, look at the dreamer coming. Here he comes. Is that his coat that he's got on? I wonder if he's carrying a sheaf with him. Here he comes. Hey guys, before he, he gets here, let's come up with a plan. Let's slay him. Let's kill him. Let's get rid of him. He's always wearing that coat. He's, now he's talking about all these dreams. Dad's always preferring. Let's get him out of our life. Can't stand him. Let's cast him in some, some pit, and then we're going to say that some evil, we could say some evil beast devoured him. And we shall see what will become of his dreams then. How are you going to dream then? Being dead, Joseph. <laughs> Not sweet dreams. <laughs> but that's, that's where they were. But, but listen, what happens? Reuben heard, heard it. He delivered him out of their hands and said, Listen, let's be reasonable, guys. Let's not kill him. I mean, that's extreme. I don't like him either. He's a twerp. You know, he, he's, all these dreams, and we know he's not going to rule over us. We're not going to let that happen, you know, but let's not kill him. Reuben said, look, don't shed any blood, but cast, let's cast him in the pit, in the wilderness, and we won't hurt him, we won't, you know, do anything like that, that he might rid him out of their hands to deliver him from his fa to, to his father again. So Reuben had this, this moment or this right heart, this, again, Reuben had already messed up some in the past, but maybe he had a little bit of a sense here, but their hearts were wrong. They couldn't receive what God may have been telling them, they were prideful. They were full of hate. They were selfish. They were callous. And again, the first sight of their brother, their wrong hearts, utter, utter death. Scripture tells us that our words have power. They have power to build up, power to strengthen, power to edify, but they also have power to tear down. They have power to do good, but they have power to do evil. Our words are powerful. I have there in your notes, they were not going to cover it, but there's some scriptures I really want you to look at. When you get home this afternoon, sometime this week, with this message in mind, look at these scriptures. It talks about how words fitly spoken are like apples of gold and pictures of silver. It's they're, they're, a word spoken in due season is, is like that. A, a good word. Our words are to be edifying. It tells us that we're not supposed to have any corrupt speech coming out of our mouth. The Bible tells us that, that we're to, be, to speak with grace, having our speech always seasoned with, with salt, like edifying, building up. And then in James chapter 3, it tells us that our tongues are hard to control. So with all that being, know, being known this morning, how is your heart? Where is your heart? Is it soft? Is it open? Is it ready for whatever God has because it's from God? 
Is that where you are this morning? Did you come in this morning? Or maybe has God done that work in this, in this message? That, you know what? I came in and I was not feeling it. I was not a part of this. I, I just was here. And, um, but you know what? That's me. I, I'm callous. I'm hardened. I, I'm, I'm, I, I'm not in a place, a good place spiritually. But maybe you heard. How's your hearing this morning? Your spiritual hearing? Are your ears, were your ears open to his voice? Is your heart hard? Where, where's your heart? Where's your ears? Let today be that day that refreshing comes to your heart. Don't delay. Don't let pride keep it. Let today be the day that you humble yourself before God and say, God, I'm sorry. I've been prideful. I've been selfish. And my heart has been callous. Maybe it has to do with repenting over a, a wrong relationship, wrong feeling towards someone. They've made me mad. They've upset me. They've done this. Ensure that your heart is right so that your words can be right. This morning, it's a choice you make, a choice I make, but I encourage you, make that right one. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this message again. Thank you for the challenge that's given to me. Lord, I know, I, again, I've been in those places before that have been callous and dry, and they're miserable. Uh, feeling, feeling distant from you, feeling disconnected, and it's just not good. It's not what you want. That's not the life that you promised us. And so, Lord, I, I pray for every person in here, every, everyone that has a relationship with you, God, that we will make sure that our hearts don't get captivated by pride, that we keep our spiritual ears open, that we keep our hearts right to you and to, or, towards others so that we can ensure that our words are speaking life. We can ensure that our words are building up and doing what you want them to do versus playing into the enemy's hands and plans. Lord, I pray that you move now. Lord, if there's someone here that doesn't have a relationship with you, they don't, they're not sure that heaven's going to be their eternal home, if there's someone like that this morning, I pray you'd move their heart, that they would come down this morning to this altar and they would speak to one of our ministers. They would say, I, I want to know how I can go to heaven when I die. Please show me. Lord, just do that work this morning. We'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.